We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental suit, my physical as well as my mental suit fitness. Coffee time. And welcome to the Animal Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. Uh, welcome back, and uh, I want to welcome uh, Borough Mayoral Candidate Robert Wall to the Animal Can stage here. Uh, we are recording uh, in front of a live audience here at the uh, Animal Can Coffee Social Club, so if you hear the door jingle or the grinder grinding away mm-hmm. in the background, uh, there's people seeking refreshment and mm-hmm. renewal uh but uh this we are recording uh there will be folks coming in and, go, and out as i talk to uh, robert today uh so don't be distracted by that mm-hmm. hopefully it tickles that little place in your brain that says i really need to go see jason down at yeah. can and grab a cup of coffee and if you drive by you'll see my 78 ford f-250 out front with one of my signs set up in the back come in and visit with us now somebody speaking of of f-250s yeah somebody told me that they saw a your competitor one of your competitors uh, okay. uh peter michicki yeah had uh, some kind of an advertisement where he's working on an old beat-up pickup is that right <laughs> you know just uh i guess he wants to connect with the common joe yeah you know um but that's uh, funny yeah the, the person who told me about it wasn't convinced that that was his daily driver okay that's what i drive right there <laughs> yeah so i can vouch uh, there there is a green what year is that again it's a 78 it's yes a sir. 78 wow uh-huh. i'm surprised that it doesn't have more rust than i see well i've gone through the body once so okay well, i used to launch beach skiffs with it on off a of deep creek it got super rusty and i rescued it and it needs more rescuing again <laughs> <laughs> well uh, robert i want to thank you for coming in today i know uh everything has been a whirlwind for you um now when did you announce your candidacy well i i couldn't announce uh, my candidacy until i finished the apoc form and so it's been about two weeks now two since weeks. I've been registered. Yeah. So, so APOC, for those of you who are not uh, seeking office and don't really like to dwell too much on politics when you don't have to, is the Alaska Public Offices Commission. Yes. And they're the folks that sort of regulate and oversee fundraising and, and uh, ethics and mm-hmm. you know, all those political things that... Um, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's above board, I guess. Right. Except for uh, the ones that get a pass. Yeah. Those folks can do whatever without any harm done. No, no, nothing, no, no foul here. Right. You have uh, to fill it out. It's like, Jason, it's like doing your taxes on steroids, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you'd like to know how much Robert makes and uh, where all of the uh, his, his financial mm-hmm. uh, assets lie, you know, the, <laughs> it's very true. You, you know, can go look it up. They ask you everything. They ask yeah. you. I, I ran for city council on a, on sort of a lark a few years ago, okay. and it was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, they want to know that, huh? Oh uh, yeah. Like people could see how broke I was. <laughs> it's frustrating, really. I mean, I'm pretty closed mouth about you know what I've done uh, successfully through working in the oil fields and. Mm-hmm. Now you can look it up. Yeah, call me up if you want to talk about it. Well, you know, I think that the APOC is—it's uh, an interesting tool because uh, you can also go look up Peter Michicki and yeah. uh, 
and and you can look up the other candidates. Now, mm-hmm. now there's a, a field of four. Is that correct? I'm the fifth. There's you're, you're, four. Okay, yeah. so so there's another one I yeah. haven't heard of. There's so there's Michiki. There's uh, Linda Hutchings. Right. There's uh, Dave Carey and Zach Hamilton. Zach Hamilton. Okay. He's a newcomer to the peninsula. He owns a restaurant out at the uh, airport. Okay. All right. I, you know, I've met Zach before, yeah. actually. He's got a big, epic beard. Got a big beard. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, epic yeah. beard. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe maybe we'll... Uh, I don't know if Peter will come in. The uh, last conversation I had with him didn't end well. <clears throat> He's down in Homer right now <laughs> at a... At a uh, symposium or a forum with the other four candidates that they did not invite me to i just heard about it they didn't invite you no i never got a call and i'm not sure it's, hmm. if it's from the student body or or somebody else but they're apparently they're down there right now having a discussion interesting and and you people you, you've been official for two weeks yes yeah okay well one would think that that would give enough time to invite you well i would think so um, the first one, I was on the slope. The second one was Tuesday, and I couldn't, they didn't invite me to that one either here to sold out in the Chamber of Commerce. I w- couldn't have gone. I was already scheduled on the radio. I wonder what they're worried about. Well, I think they're worried about the truth. I think they're worried about a truth teller, somebody who is, uh, doesn't believe in everything that people are pretending about. And Well, real so. quick, let's, let's dive into who is Robert Wall. Mm-hmm. I've got your website pulled up here. All right. And uh, I don't want to go through reading all of that. But uh, tell me a little bit about uh, who you are as, a, as an Alaskan, as a Peninsula resident. And then we'll talk a little bit about your uh, your qualifications or what you feel uh, qualifies okay. you to run uh, for this executive position. Yeah, absolutely. Borough. Well, I would uh, start out by saying um, uh, I strive to be the spiritual leader in my family. I strive to be a leader in my neighborhood, in my in my community, at my church. I strive to be as truthful as I can, living uh, in the Word. The, the other day, I was on uh, Chris Torrey's show, and uh, he went to a break, and he asked me, "Why you're this, we turn off the mics here, Mr. Wall? I want you to tell me something that you learned that you've had." carried through your life that is very important to you and I thought and thought about it and when we came back live I just popped into my head and I told him the power of prayer that my pop taught me when all three boys our father taught us uh, the power of prayer pray every day and so I told him that's been very instrumental in my life because you know Without God, you are in big trouble. And so the, we are in a spiritual battle right now, Jason. You're aware of it. And, and the, the other candidates, they seem oblivious to it. So I'd, I'd like to be the mayor and just... Uh, Some might even say that they're empowered by it. <laughs> by the other side. They might be empowered by the other side. But uh, I'm just uh, you know, from the private sector and oil industry... We're currently, I just finished a project with a, as a rig supervisor, and we're watching 60 to 120 people. So it's a very uh, active managing position, and we're, our burn rate is at 400,000 a day, which is equal to what the uh, borough actually spends per day. So I'm used to run, looking at numbers and managing people, cutting the budget. We actually, on a drilling rig, you actually have more control of, you know, getting rid of equipment you don't need, bringing stuff in right on time. 
and really managing. So if you can finish a project up, you know, two or three days ahead or three or four days ahead, you're really saving them a lot of money. Yep. So um, you're not just an oil man, though. Uh, let's talk about some of your other enterprises. All right. Um, I'm also a farmer, apiarist, and I grow rhubarb. And I uh, sell my rhubarb in Anchorage to uh, cidery. So, so give us that word again. It, that's, not a, that's not a word that I was familiar with when oh, I read that's your a, website. <laughs> that's Latin for a beekeeper. Okay. All right. Yeah. So an apiary is a bee area, mm-hmm. and apiarist is the beekeeper. So what's your, <laughs> uh, what's, your, what's your annual honey production look like? Every year's different, depending on the rain. This last year I got 300 pounds out of six hives that I've bat- had up to 700, my best uh, year. And I've been down, one year I got attacked by a black bear, and I got 20 pounds. <laughs> so, so... You personally got attacked, or, or your your, no. your operation? <laughs> My apiary oh, okay. got attacked. <laughs> All right. And I, I went was out say, there. You're looking pretty good for oh, being yeah. attacked by a bear. <laughs> I went out there in the morning, not too long after it happened, because it was still real fresh looking. And there's bee frames everywhere, and the frames were all scattered in the in the boxes. And I put it all back together the best I could, but apparently I didn't put all the bees in the same hive they came from, so they, they spent the rest of the summer fighting. Because <laughs> they, they're very protective, and they know where they came from. So, I, you know, I mixed them all up because I couldn't tell which one was supposed to go where, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so what, what's Honey Run an ounce on the open market? Uh, Spot price. $22 for a pint is a our, pint. is the bulk price. What's that break down to by ounce? So, what is 16 ounces, so a little over a dollar or something. Okay. Yeah. And then the people that buy it from me mark it up. You yeah. Know, the, yeah. Lucy's market up the road here. She's our uh, biggest customer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's very interesting. So, so you're part of the local food movement, it sounds yep. like. Yep. And I, I've been the uh, president of the local chapter of the farm borough for three years so i was involved in that for for a while so i know that uh in dunleavy's first term as governor he talked about this idea of food security for alaska Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm not quite sure where that went it seems like a lot of other things sort of got in the mix and people forgot about food security i think it was uh something called covid and uh you know it's like i don't care about food security i just want to live past next week right um so so that rolls me around we could go a couple of different directions with this Mm -hmm. um so let's just keep on the on the local local uh agriculture uh sort of idea yeah because i want to link this to something i observed when i was the uh, 4-h agent here locally Mm -hmm. Uh, i was asked by the diamond m ranch right at one point Mm -hmm. to come to a borough assembly meeting and to speak on the merits of a project that they were proposing where they wanted to build a um a learning farm Mm mm-hmm Right across the street from KB, K-Beach Elementary. Okay. They had secured a sublease on, uh, and I, all, I learned a bunch of this later. There was about 100 acres or 120 acres of state ag land uh-huh. that had been leased to one of the early homesteaders here. It was okay. like a 99-year lease. Huh. 
And the family had migrated away from farming. They were still local, but they still had this lease they maintained. Okay. There were some hay fields on it and stuff. And so the Martins, who were actively farming, yeah. had approached them and said, we'd like to sublease this land from you, which is a common practice in farming. Yeah. Um, is one farmer leases land from another oh, yeah. farmer. Very common. And uh, their idea, they had a family tragedy. Uh, Blair yeah. Martin's son, Maddie, had uh, mm -hmm. been, been uh, injured, uh, fatally injured by a milk cow yeah. at the fair. Right. And in his memory, his, his family decided they were going to start a nonprofit called Maddie's Farm. Mm -hmm. And the concept behind this was they wanted to create a farm that used permaculture practices where all your all your inputs and everything are basically generated on the farm and rolled back into the farm, and it's kind of a self-sustaining situation. Okay. You know? And uh, they wanted to use it as a, a place for kids that were in the foster care system oh, wow. or in uh, the juvenile justice system uh, to come and live with uh, uh, foster parents in a number of cottages on the farm huh. and that they would be raised having a farm experience and use that 4-H motto of learn by doing. Right. Yeah. And also make the best better, the motto of 4-H. Right. Well, anyway, uh, they had this agreement. Mm -hmm. They took this proposal uh, to the, uh, the borough. They had invited me to speak on behalf of Cooperative Extension. They said, if we can get this farm established, oh. we will build you a facility to move your offices into uh -huh. at $0 rent per year. Mm -hmm. That's just, what the Martins expressed to you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they wanted to invite the University of Alaska Fairbanks Cooperative Extension Service mm -hmm. to move its offices on site on this learning farm at yeah. zero cost. Like offices from K Beach Road office. Yep, right there below Fish and Game. Right. Just, just around the corner to this new farm. Right. And they were going to do ag in the classroom with the kids at the school. Mm -hmm. They were then going to partner with the Alaska Bible College and Kenai Peninsula College, yeah. which are also right there, yep. to start offering agriculture and gardening and, and livestock and ag economics mm -hmm. classes and opportunities to students. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, it was my turn to speak. I got up. I told them how great it would be for us to have all of our, we could have demonstration gardens yeah. and we could do livestock, you know, workshops and everything all right there at the office if we were to, to co-locate. And uh, the borough land manager stood up mm -hmm. and essentially, uh, well, I'm not sure he stood, but uh, he gave his report about uh, why the borough was not supporting the Martins. Because here's what the borough did. They came uh -huh. in and they exercised. So the, the state had transferred management of this state ag land, this lease, mm -hmm. over to the borough. Oh, okay. So then the borough exercised its authority to go and, and vacate the lease and tell the leaseholder that they had violated their original terms by subletting it out to somebody else, even though that person was doing agriculture on it. Yeah. Right. So probably no law is actually broken. And, and then they told them that uh, they didn't feel that Maddie's farm and this idea, this project, mm -hmm. was to the highest value or purpose of the land for the public interest. Okay. Now, apparently, the land had some kind of rider on it from the state that it always had to stay in agricultural right. use. That's right. 
So it was surmised by the people in support of Maddie's Farm that that because the K Beach area around that area was exploding with housing development, yeah, that the borough was looking at what they could get out of property taxes yeah. if they subdivided that into housing. Now, if you drive over there today, uh-huh. you will see a housing subdivision. Oh, what parcel is it exactly on the road? It's Jason? right behind. It's right behind uh, the old Red Diamond Center, now the Copper Center. Okay. Uh, between, I'm not sure what the road is that mm-hmm. runs past College College Drive, I guess. Yeah. Um, that goes back down around the corner down to the river. So okay. that big chunk of land, yeah, kind of behind the gravel pits on K Beach. I think mm-hmm. what was that? Uh, it's I don't know the names of the roads in there, but yeah. But yeah. anyway, so there was a 120 acre parcel in there, and it's now fully developed. It's developing, and a, a large portions of it is developed. It's all subdivided. You can go and look at the plats, and and my, I got rankled about this because here yeah. you have local people who are working in the food movement, mm-hmm. and we have a bureaucrat sitting in the planning department saying this is not the highest purpose. Mm-hmm. Was, it, was it land manager or the planning department? It was Marcus Mueller. Oh, okay, so he's currently still there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's been promoted since then to now be, I, I believe, I, I was told he was in charge of the whole department now. Oh, yes, he is, yeah. And so, um, you know, and I'm not sure if they divided it into one-acre lots mm-hmm. and did it, uh, you know, called it a horse horse property to keep that ag land status oh, yeah. right because that's a common thing that they'll and do it's a lower tax rate right yeah right and and you know a similar thing happened over here in soldatna you know we have the homestead park right by centennial park mm-hmm. um and all the land that the rodeo grounds and the ball fields and and the sports center sit on yeah were bequeathed oh yeah to this to the city okay by uh, homestead family with the writer that the the land that they donated would always uh, have an ag purpose attached to uh, it. Huh. And so they put a rodeo grounds in there to say that was the ag purpose. Okay. And so whenever you hear all these people saying, hey, we should expand yeah, and make a big expo center here. Well, really, that doesn't follow the intent of the gift. Of the, the ag gift, right, to protect the food right. source. Yeah. And so, so as a, and I say all this because mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it disturbed me that, that the bureaucracy would have so much control over these decisions yeah. when we're electing representatives and mayors mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, I, I would just say, follow the money, you right. Know? Who, right? who got paid to put those roads in, who got paid to build the houses, who got paid, you know, to make it no longer ag land. Right. So this was about what, 10 years ago or eight <laughs> years ago? Yeah. Okay. So my question to you is, day one, what are you going to do as executive when sitting down and uh, looking at who you have for staff, Yeah, what their roles are and what they do in the community? Well, you know that um, when, when Charlie was in there, he actually directed Marcus to start an ag program with 3,000 acres of borough property. Mm-hmm. And um, he pushed it off, and he, he well, he built kind of a, a groundwork framework for lease rates, and he selected some about 500 acres down in Homer, and the rest of it was around this area. Quite a bit of it was out Coho Loop Road, 
and he he got a little bit of attraction, but he didn't seem to really promote it as much as I th I thought he could. I was interacting with him at the time because I was the current president of the farm borough. So as the if if I'm elected, I would go in there and just see where that is if I can resurrect it and and be aggressive about it. And the other thing is that the borough, I don't know if you're aware, but it's still owed 16,000 acres from the state. So I would direct Marcus and his team to uh, start looking at all the properties that we could acquire that we're legally, rightfully, owned, should be the owners of. And the state is actual, actually owed 3 million acres from the federal government that they haven't selected yet. And some of that could be here in the peninsula. So we really need to get this land exchanged and, and the borough and the state selecting that property, the state from the feds and the, the Kenan Peninsula Borough should grab a hold of their 16,000 acres and try to get as much ag land as they can. And some of it that could be for building for new neighborhoods. Didn't have to all be agriculture, but we, we need to get more food secure. In 1980, when I got here, we were, we were producing 50% of our food. Now it's at five. And the state overall is even lower than that. It's like that. two or it's four. It's like two. Yeah. So we're a little bit higher down here because we got a lot, of, a lot of growers, a lot of ranchers. But we, that's what I would try to promote, more food security. If we get back up to 20 30%, we would be more resilient, you know, the next time there's a disruption. We're, you know, basically we're in two or three days from all the shelves being empty over at Freddy's or, or Safeway. Ask any of those uh, people that are stocking you, they'll tell you, oh, in two or three days, this, this is empty. Yeah. And I don't know how much food people well, store I, I, at home. I lived in, in Valdez for a period of time, and, and we had a really bad um, spring where the, the breakup and melt-off and flooding yeah. wiped out, I think, four bridges oh, wow. between Valdez and, and uh, Glen Allen. Yeah. We thought you get 20 feet of snow over there. Yeah. 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 And so we were isolated for two and a half months before they got the bridges rebuilt. Oh, wow. Huh. And that was something that happened is they had to send landing craft with uh, trucks. Oh, wow. Huh. And, uh, and groceries on the ferry. Okay. Into Valdez just to feed that small community. Right. That was that was the first thing that when happened. When did that happen? Oh, that was about 15 years ago. Okay. I don't remember that. 16 years yeah. ago. Yeah. So they launch out of Whittier and go straight over and yeah. and bring food to you. Huh? Yeah, but it was uh, it was difficult, and you're right. You know, we, we, we live in a very uncertain time, and mm -hmm. with uh, we saw what happened with supply chain with COVID. Right. And yeah. so, you know, uh, we Alaskans, I think, maybe wrongly pride ourselves on our self-reliance. Mm -hmm. We're really not that self-reliant no. when you come when you when it comes down to it. Right. We're you not. know, those of us who pack a, a go bag and can hit the hills with our snow machine or, yeah. you know, hunt during the season. Yeah, that's all great and good. Yeah. But if any real crisis were to happen, mm -hmm. you know, the, there's not enough that the, the land doesn't have enough holding capacity to keep enough game to feed us all. No. And mm -mm. Um, our carrying capacity, right? Yeah, that's right. And um, well, very interesting. Um, so you've served on a number of boards. Tell us a little yep. bit about that. Well, currently I'm on the HEA board, and I'm also on the Sterling Senior Center Endowment Board and the Sterling Community Club Board. Okay. And um, and the road board for Charlie. He appointed me. I'm still on the road board for the Peninsula. So I meet uh, 
you know, those are all either quarterly or one of them is quarterly. That's the endowment board. We just met yesterday. We invest the, uh, the money that the senior center has saved in and out of the stock market. And we report to the senior center. There's another board. The Sterling Senior Center board receives our report and we uh, help them keep that money growing. So we sit down, and uh, I'm one of the traders. Me and uh, uh, there's another one other person, Mrs. Brown, and we, we're the only two that are signed up to the Schwab account to and buy and sell, but we always vote on it, you know, if we're going to buy or sell anything. Mm-hmm. We did that yesterday. We were in there for two hours, and uh, that's one board. I enjoy that. They just asked me to do that a year ago. And, the, the, of course, the HEA board I've been on for two years. It's a three-year term. So this May will be my first uh, two-thirds of that first term. When I got on the HEA board, we were six uh, people who believed in the New Green Deal and three who didn't, and now it's actually five to four. So we're slowing down the trend, and uh, if we can win a few more seats, we might even gain some more ground this coming May. That's our next election. I had a very interesting conversation with uh, a gentleman who asked not to be named, um, who is an electrical engineer mm-hmm. and uh, has set up power stations, f- uh, plants yeah. around the state. Okay. And um, very knowledgeable. He was actually here uh, studying for a wastewater management uh, certificate. Uh, very, you know, he, he holds many different <laughs> permits <laughs> of these and degrees. Technical yeah. permits and degrees and things. Right. And, and uh, he talked about um, HEA's management and the Green New Deal and how he just shook his head when they put this battery mm-hmm. system over here and just towards Sterling and, uh, you know, outside Soldotna and, and talked about the power generation capacity that we already have on the peninsula mm-hmm. and uh, where the technicians who run those plants are um, and what the best bang for the buck was. And he said, you know, that... Uh, that we have a plant out in Nikiski mm-hmm. that uh, for a fraction of the cost, they could have upgraded the turbines in that, in that plant to be uh, high output, uh, low input, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. more, uh, uh, electrical generators that would have kept our rates low. Yeah. There and is, yeah. would not have um, exposed us to the potential pitfalls and problems of battery systems mm-hmm. and this new technology. Yeah. And, um, and it would have used their human resources better. Right. So. Yeah, there is a new uh, turbine out there that burns uh, 30% less gas and produces like 20 or 30% more power per unit of gas burned. And mm-hmm. I've just been learning about that. We've talked about it in the last couple of meetings. We meet once a month. We've been meeting again this uh, election day on the 14th, so, yeah. Well, um... That's an interesting. I'd like to meet that gentleman. Yeah, I'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to commiserate off the air. Yeah. Um, so I, I heard a recent number, and I've not been able to independently verify this because we, we really put the show together quickly. Yep. Um, but uh, I had been told mm-hmm. that the borough is currently carrying a $41 million budgetary reserve and right. savings account. Yep. When Charlie was elected, they were $4 million in the hole, and when he left, they were $40 million up, apparently. Well, so. I, I've, as, a, as a purveyor of fine beverages, mm-hmm. I have the opportunity to meet a lot of people. 
And uh, I met somebody who was not very happy with Mayor Charlie. Yeah. Because uh, they their bread and butter was as an independent contractor uh, for maintaining roads. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So you see these guys with the the, the graders and the plows mm-hmm. and stuff that come around. Well, a lot of that's yep. contract. Oh, yeah. Work, it's all contracted. You know. Yeah. And so um, this particular individual... <clears throat> Uh, said uh, they were really close to Charlie and, you know, his wife. And, mm-hmm. and um, the bids didn't go out. The bids didn't go out. Contracts, you know, there was nothing. And they kept calling the borough and saying, hey, when are these coming out? And uh, they talked to Charlie. Yeah. Okay. And and this person, so this is secondhand information to me. It wouldn't be admissible in court. They'd call mm-hmm. it hearsay. Yeah. <laughs> But this person was was had had a direct contact with the former mayor, right? And was told, and this hurt their relationship. Mm-hmm. Was told uh, we're withholding that because I'm headed into this next election cycle, and I need to show that I'm fiscally conservative. Oh boy! Huh. Meanwhile, another uh, regular in our shop was coming in spitting nails mm-hmm. because he lived down uh, down uh, past the uh, Tustamina Smokehouse. Okay. And the road down there... On Tote Road, yeah. Yeah, was so beat out. And there's mm-hmm. and it's got some pretty steep embankment areas yeah. and some nasty corners and you know, oh, one yeah. specifically. Um, he said that uh, there was more than once that he saw people coming down, losing control, not going fast, mm-hmm. losing control over the the washboards and and um, and narrowly escaping rolling their vehicles. Oh, and somebody boy. did actually go off one of those embankments. And huh. It was a big drama yeah. to get them out, and very upset about the the management of the roads, mm-hmm. uh, especially under consideration that during the entire time that Charlie. Uh, was in office, valuations on houses continued to climb. Yeah, yeah, the assessment so we, department, yeah. So we were taxed more and more every year, mm-hmm. and maintenance of our roads was less and less. And mm-hmm. um, Well, he didn't raise the mill rate, but the assessments went up. Right, and I, I, I uh, actually confronted him with that yeah. one time when he made the statement that, uh, that uh, oh, I have to pause for just a moment. Okay. My good friend Dirk has just entered the uh, the arena, and so what I'm going to hey, say is, Dirk, you need to go grab yourself a beverage and right. pull up a seat. All right, we'll be. Hey, All Dirk. Right. <laughs> so so uh, Dirk is uh, a staffer uh, for Representative Kirka. Oh, when, is he? When I was down in okay. uh, down in uh, former Representative Kirka. Yeah. when I was down in Juneau. So. We, uh, we played some Axis and Allies together, you know, the right. global conquest game. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, so... Well, I can elaborate on the uh So, the so roads, let's, let's talk about roads and as mayor, uh-huh. what you're going to do. Because when I heard that that $41 million mm-hmm. is sitting in this, let's call it a rainy day account. Yeah. And I see what's happening in... in you know, if we have all of that money in there, mm-hmm. the first thing I think of is, well, the the borough has exceeded its taxing authority, its right. mandate, mm-hmm. because they should only be taxing. It's good to have a reserve, a budgetary reserve for yeah, if there's a landslide in Seward or something. Right. You know. Yeah. But uh, at some point, the amount of money they're taking in mm-hmm. 
exceeds the cost of the services they're providing. Yeah. And we should see a decline in our mill rates yeah. or or some something's got to give. They can't you would think just they, keep we could squeezing. Decline. Yeah. You, you would think that this would be a point, especially with people's money short, that, that a reduction in mill rate, even if it was small, would be very uh, opportune to do right now. So I would definitely look at that. And I've talked to some of these contractors and their frustration when they're bidding on some of these projects and they'll pencil it out and they have to uh, try to figure out how they're going to make a profit and they'll lose the bid and then they go and watch the, the work done and sometimes the people who won the bid don't actually do everything that's on the contract. Or know what they're doing. Or know what they're doing. So there's uh, you know a subpar road and some of the initial descriptions of what the work scope is going to be was not completed. Mm-hmm. And these other guys are so frustrated and they say, well, that, you know, if I knew I was going to, I could get away with doing that, I wouldn't have put it in my bid, but I knew if I had to do this, this, and this, this is what it was going to cost me. So it's me. almost like it's so, incentivizing dishonesty. Well, it's, it's either that or, or incompetence or it doesn't make sense to me watching it. You know, I've seen it on some of the roads and the, and the guys, the individual who bid on it, he, he showed me, you know, what they did. And what they didn't do, and the, and there, I don't know what happens in that uh, system, if that's the uh, roads dis- department. And then I've talked to the to the old road director. He he's no, no longer there now. We have a new one coming in this Tuesday, and I'll speak to him about it. But they, I'm still trying to work that out. I've only been on the road board about a year and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's talk about uh, a, a a tangential uh, issue yeah. that I know is contentious in the borough. Yeah. And it has to do with the materials that make the roads. Okay. Let's yeah, talk the about ro- gravel the, pits. The gravel pits. Let's talk about gravel pits. And private property ownership and the resources of, of property ownership. Yeah. And uh, the borough's uh, role in regulating mm-hmm. that. Are, are you familiar with the, the gravel pit drama? I've been to a few meetings and I've watched the, uh, the gravel pit group plead their case and uh, some of the arguments against them. And uh, it makes sense to me that, you know, for, you know, new pits to have different, uh, well, it's basically they've what they've decided, they've grandfathered in some of the old pits until they're mined out. And then these new pits that they want to build, there's kind of a struggle. You on what I understand, you probably know more than I do, that they're trying to keep them away from existing neighborhoods wherever the gravel source is even if they've owned the land longer than the neighborhoods who've come in and encroached on right built up next to them right right so So, it would seem to me that as a private property owner that if you've bought a piece of property and you're a gravel miner and you're ready to open this pit up that as long as you follow the rules and you're not down in the groundwater enough and you're so many feet away from the edges that you should be able to mine your your source. And well, and I think that's been the contentious issue because, if I remember correctly, the regulatory change that was being proposed, and I'm not sure if this is the current yeah. iteration, but uh, at one point they were saying that uh, they wanted to see a 400-foot setback from all property lines. Four- so <laughs> so that was described to me yeah. by somebody in the know. Yeah. Uh, you can grab one of those tall chairs over there, Dirk. Um, that uh, if you owned a five-acre parcel, yeah, 
And you had purchased that back in the seventies. You did a just some some test holes and stuff, mm-hmm. and said, "Man, this is good gravel. I'm going to hold on to it." Yeah. But you were all the way up until now using mm-hmm. your other existing places because it's not cheap to open a gravel pit. You, yeah. You got to take the overburden off. And right. You've got all of the occupational safety and you know all the regu- mm-hmm. other regulatory stuff you do, you have to do with the EPA and right. the DEC and you know all that crap. So, for whatever reason, you held that five acres in reserve. Now, all of a sudden, the borough comes and says, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. You can't develop that unless you are 400 feet back from. So, now you've effectively shrunk the value of that property mm-hmm. because you've destroyed the mineable resource yeah. there. And what it turns out is on a five-acre lot with a 400-foot setback on all sides, I was told. I haven't done yeah. the math that you end up with basically two acres of mineable ground. Okay. So they have destroyed three acres of value. Yeah. And when well, you invested in that. Is, uh, 208 foot square is, a, is an acre. Okay. So on a five acre. So you might have even less than that. And just at the top of my head, it sounds like you'd be a one point something. Yeah. Acre yeah. in the center. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, yeah. you know, this brings up a, a, another issue. Um, you know, a, a, a number of years back, there was a taking of private property in the regulatory, um, the development of regulations, regulations on riverside development. Right. Yep. To yep. where you now have, I think it's a 50 foot setback mm-hmm. from the median high water mark yeah. or something. And yep. you can't remove any trees without going down the river center center and yeah. kissing a bunch of different you know right posterior and they've and, tried to put that at a hundred you know in the in the past yeah so i mean <clears throat> so where do you stand on private property because that's really what this boils down to mm-hmm. is is this nation was built on the idea yeah that we don't we don't uh, pay homage to the king who holds all land under his control right that we can actually be the king yeah of well, our own land well, that, I'm uh, I'm a, a landowner. I probably own let's see, 120 some acres out in Sterling. And different, I also have some, also have some property there off of Moose Point that was uh, in part of that original land offering. It's been sitting there. That's another issue. But I'm a strong proponent of our personal property rights and protecting the original intent of owning your own property. Um, and I don't think that. We should be able to change the rules during the game, and that would—that's your scenario you just talked about with a five-acre parcel, and and he was always expecting to use it to mine and continue his road business, and now he's been isolated from it. So, and that would, to me, that would be, uh, you know, a government taking of a value that he had sitting in his mind, you know, his entire his entire career is with his business. So, so it, would you think it would be a fair exchange for the borough to find another piece of property of equal value uh, that would give him the the resource that he needed? Yeah, and absolutely. Exchange it. Yeah, that's maybe, a good idea. Or yeah. uh, pay them the the fair market value of the not only the land but the gravel on the land, the, well, the developable resource. Mm-hmm. Well, if they could select all that land I was talking about earlier, they. You know, they'd be better off so that the uh, borough wasn't parceling money out to different owners just to offer them another 
good gravel area. Right. Yep. Not something 100 miles away. Not, a, not 100 miles away, but... <laughs> right. Yeah, and there are certain areas on the peninsula, like out in Sterling, we just got really good gravel. Some areas have sand and silt, so, you know, that'd be part of the uh, selection process if we were to, lot, you know, if we jumped into the 16,000-acre selection to drill, drill some core holes and be careful about what where you uh, pick your land, make sure it's got good groundwater depth, 30 feet, 25, 30 foot, and, and good gravel. Yeah, because there are some a lot of build builders who have built on fairly swampy areas with three to four feet of groundwater. You know that you're you're just sitting four feet above it, and then they have to build their above ground septics. And I'm and, not sure how they how they were able to permit my land where I live. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but you know I don't have to dig far, and I'm no I've struck you know water. Yeah, and in. Uh, yeah, I, I'm one of those unlucky people. I guess it depends on your perspective. But uh, when I grew up out in Nikiski, we had excellent gravel where we lived, so much so that my dad asked me to dig a trench, and I had to get a pick out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I asked my son to dig a trench uh, a couple of years ago, and I thought he would be out there at least four to five hours. Yeah. He came in a half hour later, and he said, Dad, not only did I finish the trench, but it's four inches wider than you said and three inches deeper than you said. I hope that's not a problem. Oh, that's cool. And I went out and looked, and doggone it, that whole thing was sand. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, um, well, I know that there are people who are going to listen to this who are yeah. very interested to hear your response on mm -hmm. the gravel pit issue yep. and what you're going to do about it um, to make these landowners whole. Now, that's not to dismiss people who... Uh, don't want the noise and the dust and the issue of of gravel pits, but it does come down to you know we see this happen in agriculture quite frequently in expanding metropolitan areas where where a city grows out to where the farms are, and pretty soon the people in the subdivisions are complaining about the smell of the feedlot right. and the noise of the tractors, <laughs> and they don't like the pesticides that are being sprayed mm -hmm. and. And, and, you know, and, and so somehow all of a sudden it's the farmer's fault. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we got to just regulate that guy to death when they're the ones that put up their house next door. Yeah, that's right. Well, that reminds me of uh, being down in Bakersfield, California. Everybody's, that's a farming community. Mm -hmm. and, they, and there's a lot of people building and growing in there. But in the morning, it smells like a... A cow, it's a feedlot because there's a lot of dairy farms in there. I thought you were going to say a cow fart, which, which is basically <laughs> it's the same thing. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a feedlot, yeah. It's like 10,000 cow farts. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's, to a farmer, that's the smell of money. Oh, yeah. My granddad used to say that all the time when we drive by <laughs> oh, the feedlots. He He's like, mm, you smell that? And I'd wrinkle my nose and he'd say, it smells like money. <laughs> that's you know. funny. So Dirk has joined us. Welcome, Dirk. Hello. So, uh I'm curious after we get off the air to find out what brings him down from yeah. the valley. But um, Dirk and I had many conversations. We talked about doing a podcast when we were in in uh, mm -hmm. in Juneau. We thought it would be fun to get all the staffers around, you know, a <laughs> couple of beers and and uh, and just sort of relive the day's events. But we'd probably all get fired. For yeah, <laughs> you haven't seen each other for a while. No, or? no, no, no. So well, I'm Robert. Dirk, good Hi, to meet Robert. you. So anyway, that's my sign out there on the on the truck. I've been seeing him around. All right, good. So that's that's good news. Two weeks, and we're already seeing Robert's signs. But here's the deal, folks. If if you are not happy with the slate of folks that are on the ballot, you're gonna have to write Robert's name in 
in that right end slot. That's that right. means you're going to have to fill in the bubble and then write Robert Wall. W A L L, no H. Right. So, so that's uh, right. Like you feel like you're up against the wall. Yeah. Well, remember Robert Wall's running yeah. for Borough Mayor. So, Robert, let me ask you some other questions. You got some good notes there, I see. Yeah. 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 So, so let's talk about uh, COVID money. Okay. The, the CARES Act. Yeah, somebody cared, and then there somebody were those cared. who didn't care, and then yeah. there were those who didn't get care, and then um, so so now that we are in this post-COVID environment, I mm-hmm. guess. Well, my pastor's got COVID right now, but he's a you know he's vaccinated, so um, that that uh, he should That'll come out it. he should come out the other side. Okay, I yeah. guess that's what I'm told anyway. Um, so the all money this, was all funneled through uh, KPEDD. They're the only ones who could receive the funds. Mm-hmm. That Kenai Economic Development Group in uh, North Kenai there. Mm-hmm. And he actually had to receive the CARES Act money for a bunch of other boroughs because they didn't even have a system set up like we have down here. Hmm. He was not happy with doing that, but he was getting calls from the Matsu Valley. He did it for the North Slope Borough. So you think that money went where it was supposed to go? I haven't tracked it, but I doubt it. You know, just knowing what happens to big pools of money. So the borough got some of that money. Yep. What are you going to do when you become mayor uh, in regards to that money? Do you have any plans as far as auditing or looking or asking some questions? Well, I would assume they get audited every, every year, every other year by, you know, a separate entity like they do at HEA. Mm hmm. So I'll sit down with our, the finance group. There's a fairly good size. It's one of the 15 departments is finance. I'd be curious to find out how the whoever ended up with the money got selected. Yeah. Because uh, I remember, and, and I know that the city and the borough are two different entities, but I remember the, the city giving CARES Act money to the college. Okay. Which seemed a little incestuous to me. Yeah. The city of uh, Soldana, Soldana yeah. gave money to the UAF? Uh, college, yeah. okay, the UAA, the, the UAA community branch. college, KPC, yeah, yeah. and then and then I, I remember that uh, they spent some CARES Act money on restoring the roof at the uh, putting a new roof on the um, sports center, yeah, and uh, which by the way was shut down during COVID. You couldn't use the sports center, right? But uh, but they decided that that was let's use the uh, the former you know. Borough employees' statement: the highest purpose for public interest. And that's what they said about the. Uh, well, that's the what roof? they. That, that's what their actions said. Okay. You know, yeah. They spent the money. Yeah. On the roof. Okay. For a rec center, no one could use. Oh. Yeah. Nobody was allowed in there. Meanwhile, there's businesses going out of business, and mm-hmm. um, and the marijuana shop stayed open. Apparently. Yeah. 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 Uh, alcohol was booming. Yeah. Um, I consumed a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> Well, I'll look into the CARES Act money as well. I, uh, I'm i sure, it'll, I mean, it'll be like drinking out of a fire hose, but uh, if the people elect me, I'll get in there and I'll work 110%. Well, you know, this is like my, my list of, uh, of requests. Yeah. So there are questions here, but there's also requests. Well, I'll get a copy of that. <laughs> I, would I, you love, know, I, would, I would also, while you're, while you're in the auditing frame of mind, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would also love to see you uh, audit the contract that the borough has with the hospital. Oh. Because I would contend somebody's phone's going off. There you go. 
thought that was your bumper music. Yeah, no. I would contend that uh, that the office or that the hospital agreed to provide us with services. And I know for a fact, personally know people. That's probably APOC calling you. <laughs> Uh, no, it's one of my old uh, rig supervisor buddies. He's probably read that, must read Alaska articles, and just call me, ask me what the heck's going on. Don't come on. back. <laughs> no, he's saying, what are you doing, Robert? You know? Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, I know for a fact, I yeah. know people who were declined preventative services. Oh, huh. No, I didn't. I, you know, I don't know those details, Jason. You have, you know, you're in town here, and I'm out at the end of Bear Road. I don't get much information like that. Well, uh, there's a woman named Jennifer Kindred who's okay. in your community out yeah. there in Soldotna, and she was running some public meetings through the community center. Okay. Raising awareness about all these issues. Right, I remember that. Yeah. And um, at one point, uh, she gained access to the hospital. You'll have to talk to her more about the story. But there was a, an old-timer in there she took care of who ended up in the hospital, yeah. completely isolated in his room. Yeah. Uh, when she went to see him, he was he had been there a while, mm-hmm. and she saw tubes going in through the door into his room. Weird. All the machines were outside his room. Huh. And when they went in to see him, he had aspirated on a, a bunch of his own vomit. Oh, boy. He's already dead in there. Nobody checked on him. And um, she was a medical liberty warrior. She okay. still is. Yeah. Um, and so she had a lot to say about the hospital. Yeah. And I don't want people to take this the wrong way. There are decent people who work in our medical system, but there are a lot of people who feel like they don't have a voice or that if they do, they'll be treated like whistleblowers. Yeah. And uh, it was something that we asked Charlie and we uh, talked about quite a bit mm-hmm. in the community about getting some transparency. Into the hospital Into the operation. hospital. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they were always contending that, uh, well, the... The uh, that wasn't within their purview. Hmm. However, there is a contract, and it is between the borough and the hospital to provide services. Right. That building is owned by the borough. Right. A management company manages the service. Mm-hmm. And so, um, can I get a commitment from you to look into that? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. because I think that 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 contract needs to be reviewed and yeah. and uh, it would be awesome to have some public hearings mm-hmm. where people can come and talk about just the level level of service they did not get. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would ask the nursing staff out there who may be taking offense at this. This is not an attack on you. We understand yeah. you have a hard job, but the decisions that were made by administrators. Right. And uh, the the things you were required to do in the name of science, which now has been shown to be grossly incorrect. Yeah. Um, that was harmful and egregious. Yeah. And I heard there were some doctors who tried to prescribe the therapeutics, mm-hmm. ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and they were, you know, those the people that got that. And I ordered mine from India. Mm-hmm. Miss Renee and I got it from India. And we... We took it when we were exposed, and uh, did you crave apples? And no, and then we gave it to people and and used the. That's a reference to the horse medicine. Yeah, right? I know that. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's actually a very amazing product. Yeah, it's a miracle Anti- drug. antiviral drug. Yeah, won the Nobel. Yeah, seventy Prize cents and, a pill. Yeah, that's that, all it costs to get it from India. They pay. They they make it for a nickel. Yeah. So, anyways, I gave it to probably. 15 people and uh i used the 
the frontline uh, doctor's uh, prescription you protocols. Know, you, protocols. Yep. You, you gave make sure they're taking the D3 and the zinc and all that, and they all got better in five days. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Some of them in their 70s had uh, different issues, and they still didn't get very sick. Yeah. So let's ask this. But I was going to mention some of these doctors, Jason, mm -hmm. were called by the entity that issues them their license and they told them they threatened them, if you don't stop doing this we're going to pull your ability to operate that would be it. the state medical board yeah yeah and they threatened them and so they they had to stop doing it seems rather coercive it does yeah yeah, yeah. well i talked to a pharmacist <clears throat> up in uh, fairbanks i covered this in a previous episode um i have this uh social media account with a platform called alignable it's for business owners to okay connect to network. Yeah. and the algorithms in alignable told me one day you need to connect with this guy yeah well he's a pharmacist in fairbanks <laughs> just out of curiosity i called him and i said hey i have no idea why the algorithm you know uh chose you to be my next contact but um do you have a minute because huh. i have a podcast and i have some questions about pharmacies right. okay so he talked to me for about 45 minutes, yeah. maybe even longer. But essentially, what he told me in that conversation was he would not prescribe any preventative uh, medicine, those protocols, um, not just ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, mm -hmm. but they had second and third tier drugs as well. Yeah, And uh, he said because they've been deemed to be off-label um, unapproved uses hmm. and that he didn't want to be regulated by his board okay. and that the CDC had barred uh, the pharmacies or had said you should not do these yeah. things. So even if he received a prescription request from a doctor, he would not fill it? So then, Correct. And so then my next question, my follow-up question to him was, yeah. was uh, uh, so what other off-label uses of drugs do you declined to fill and he said well what do you mean and i said cancer treatments uh hormone replacement treatments for those who have gender dysphoria mm -hmm. those are off-label uses of drugs do you withhold those no no oh, okay because those are deemed okay so, so selective so use, so yeah. that's really where that question about auditing the hospital mm -hmm. and looking you know as borough mayor you have the right and the responsibility to review contracts yeah that's and, right. and if this organization here at the hospital is de denying us care, mm -hmm. preventative care, my argument as a layperson would be they're in breach of their contract for yeah. providing services. Right. Yeah. And they should be worried. And their shareholders should be worried. Right. Yeah. You know, so anyway. So we'll have to see when I get in there, I'll be able to see the contracts, I would assume, and see when the next one is due and review the current one. Paper ballots versus Dominion. Mm -hmm. Paper ballots. I'd like to go back to paper ballots. I've been researching the Dominion machines. Uh, did a FOIA with uh, Gail Finumi. Finumi, I think. Uh, fun, funny numbers. Yeah, she's down That's in, in Juno. I've funny talked numbers. to her a dozen times and got a, you know exchanged many FOIAs with her and uh, determined that she bought 304 Dominion machines for 4.4 million dollars in the spring of 2020. Very strangely, a lot of states bought their Dominion machines that spring. Mm -hmm. And uh, some oh, there's 304 of them, and 300 of them have 
Bluetooth capability. They can be accessed with a smartphone, but they can't be. They, they can't be connected to the internet. Well, if you can, if they're, <laughs> they're Bluetooth. You know, I can print from my uh, laptop in the living room to my wife's computer. So, so I mean, <laughs> so, so you're a couple years older than twenty, but you seem pretty hip when it yeah. comes to technology. Here, you understand how oh, yeah. Bluetooth works. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a smart boomer. Okay, all right. <laughs> but these are 321C voting tabulators. That's what they're called. Mm-hmm. And they're very. Charlie bought a, like five of them. He, or, well, his clerk, his clerk did. He, he yeah. said we bought them because we were ordered to under a lawsuit. I don't know if that was true or not, but yeah, that there, somebody had, had sued him for accessibility. Was they were either mm-hmm. blind or did I think they're blind? Yeah, and, and they're like, well, this is the only way that we. Can oh, deal they with had that to is. buy. Uh, for the for the physically impaired, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We've, I've had to operate those at the at the voting center. Have you ever heard Sterling. of Braille before? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's on paper. You right. can you can do that on paper. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. So those old school uh, elevators ballots. in Chicago, they all Braille. People go up and feel it, and they can push the button to go up to the right floor. Well, what about the bumps in the concrete? Yeah, you know, right there at the crossing guards. You know, yeah. those bumps are for the people with Braille. And at subway platforms. It was helpful on the way down here. Yeah. <laughs> when you were driving? Yes. Those bumps on the side of the road? Yep. Yeah, we so, have Braille on every highway. Right. It's <laughs> for, all the, the, for the those, rumble strip. Yeah, for those people who are blind or blinded by the snow, as yeah. it were. So, so okay. there was a lot of states that researched Dominion and, and refused them. Mm-hmm. Like Texas did not buy any Dominion machines. They bought something else. But to me, any of the machines are... Or manipulatable, right. You're right? So right. I'd like to go to let's, paper ballots. Let's same just day. do the let's just do the whole Iraqi thing and just get the purple thumb. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a documentary that was done a while back about the uh, Al Gore losing, losing to uh, Bush. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were attacking because of the dangling Chad. The Chads, yeah. They were attacking the, these Dominion machines. Oh. In this documentary, so it was really interesting. Huh. So, Al Gore was his group. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they were having trouble with those oh. machines as <laughs> That's well. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. let's uh, let's switch gears again. Um, SB 172. I don't know what it is. That's the mental health law that was passed okay. by all of our illustrious uh, representatives and senators. Okay. That, Unanimous? Uh, that, uh, well... No, there were a few who didn't vote for okay. it. Okay. Uh, Maybe Mr. Dirk's, Kirka. Dirk's boss didn't yeah. vote for it. Um, this was the mental health bill that said, you know, uh, I'm going to actually read. So Must Read Alaska has a, a great article on this if you want to go back to it and look at it. Um, but HB 172 or SB 124 was initiated by Governor Mike Dunleavy and is presented as a solution to provide better access to care for many Alaskans suffering from acute mental crisis and serious behavioral health issues. Somewhere along the way, this bill was crafted in such a way that it could violate the constitutional rights of mental health, mentally healthy Alaskans. Hmm. Enter case in point, the principle of the year. So when was, when was this passed? The last session? Last session. Okay. Last session. And and when I asked uh, former Representative Ron Gillum why mm-hmm. he voted for it, okay. he said, well, you should have seen the original version of the bill. It was much worse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in, a, in a Cliff Notes, uh, what did it essentially Essentially, it created the, uh, the, the availability of uh, uh, the creation of regional mental health 
facilities or centers where the uh, folks who would otherwise be eligible for it was title 40 is it title 42 or 47 i can't remember 42 i think that yes yeah so you so normally yeah if you were having a mental crisis mm-hmm. and and i were to call up the troopers and say robert's out there on his uh, tractor drunk again swinging a mm-hmm. shotgun around screaming about the 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 you know the, the, green ru- aliens, the, the yeah. rhubarb weevils or something, <laughs> you know, or that black bear that just ripped apart his uh, his beehives. Yeah, uh, he's he's obviously in having a mental crisis. He needs to be uh, stabilized. Right. Right. Well, normally they couldn't do that. They could come out and say, well, you're driving drunk so they could get you on that. Well, remove the tractor, remove the drinking. Mm-hmm. And somebody just says, Robert's weird and uh, he's okay. unstable and he's threatening me. Normally, if you were to be hospitalized for observation to see if you are weird Mm -hmm. and unstable and going to hurt somebody or yourself, you would have to have a court order. Right. And that court order would give you that Title 42. They could come take you against your will and take you to API, Alaska Psychiatric Institute, uh, medically observe you in a secure uh, lockdown facility. Hmm. What this allows, what this new law allowed was the creation of regional sub-regional centers uh, for the people. We we used to institutionalize people that had mental health disorders. Right. Yeah. We don't do that. We didn't anymore. We deinstitutionalized people who were chronically mentally ill and Mm -hmm. usually had, you know, substance abuse problems, whatever. now we can look at Anchorage. They all camp out on the park. Right. Now and, they're just out in the street. Right. They're yeah. just out there. Very and, sad. And it's compassionate of us actually to do yeah. that. You know, that's that's what the bleeding hearts would tell us. But mm-hmm. but essentially it, it it created an opportunity for the weaponization mm-hmm. of of mental health. Uh-huh. Kind of like COVID was weaponized to so, go after different entities and so they're and they're people. building separate uh, buildings to put people in with different professionals. Well, it allows to it allows them? them to take them, let's say, down to PCHS. Okay. Oh, right in our local hospital. And, okay. And observe them, but yeah. they're in lockdown. They mm-hmm. they, they they can medicate them. Uh, this this principal, I believe, was sedated when she was taken. Oh yeah, I remember. You know, I read you know, that article because I think yeah. she speaks in tongues or something. And you know, yeah. obviously, she is a danger to her neighborhood. Right. Even though that she is a principal of the so year. So how, how did that turn out when they hauled her away? And It's still ongoing, I think. Okay. They're still, you, would, uh, you would think she would have a case to uh, oh, you might think to that. sue them, right. back, counter-sue right. them. So that, that comes down to a question about um, liberty, mm-hmm. and, and it kind of preloads the question here. What do we do when, when the legislature has run amok, when law enforcement is controlled by the governor, See, we're a state where we don't have sheriffs. Right. We, need we don't to. elect our law enforcement. Yeah. They are imposed upon us. Right. That's and why I was so pro-constitutional convention. That's one of the reasons I'd like to see us go to a sheriff system. Okay. So that's yeah. where my question was leading. Yeah. Uh, have you looked at uh, the sort of the pros and cons of becoming a first-class borough? I haven't studied the first class borough, but I've you know you jump from sheriff to first class. They link together because if you're a first class borough, you could have a, you have have a sheriff, your, your own law enforcement. Okay, so, so so if you could if you could go to first class borough and have your own constitutional sheriff, that would be very beneficial. Right. So that when the troopers want to exercise uh, mm-hmm. this this uh, one forty 
or the FBI yeah, knocking down the door like they did to the those Hubers, people in Homer. Right, yeah, right. That they would have to first sit down and and, mm-hmm. and have a kumbaya with our right. our locally elected exactly. sheriff's department. Yeah. Yep, I'd like to. I'd like. I've always been a proponent of. Uh, I'd pay good money sheriffs. for that. You know, if you want to raise, if you want to keep raising the value of my home, mm-hmm. but I know that that money is going to go towards a sheriff that I can elect. Yeah. That is, you know, while I don't like taxes, that's kind of a less jagged pill to swallow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather swallow that pill than just have to yeah. take well, it. Well, most states you elect a sheriff and your county clerks. So here our borough clerks would be elected. Mm-hmm. That way we can change them out. So this is not on my list, but this this was something that was recently proposed. I, I'm not sure if it was Donald Trump that proposed this, or I, I think it was. Yeah. The idea that we elect our superintendent. Oh, the uh, school district? Yeah. That we do a general election, not not uh, have the uh, not have the uh, the school board select select them. them. Mm-hmm. But I, make them directly accountable to the people. Well, that's, a, you know, I've seen that in different states. I think they do that in Illinois. Okay. They elect their uh, sheriffs, their county clerks, and their superintendents. So is that and, something? And they run as Democrats or Republicans. You know, they're open about where they stand. Oh, you mean they are partisan? Yeah, they actually are. You know, that's our kind <laughs> of the joke strictly, around you're here. You're strictly nonpartisan, right? <laughs> Well, you know, you look at the assembly right now, it's like seven to two, and we know who they, you know, how they really vote. Right. So it's it, they, it's kind of uh, unspoken, but you and I know there's seven Democrats, two Republicans on the assembly. Right. And which doesn't represent our community, because we're mostly, you know, 55, 60% more Republican voting. Well, I think people have become uh, disgusted with the process to the point that they just disengage. Right. And, and, and I, I've often said this, conservatives typically want to be left alone right they want to be able to engage in uh their own enterprises Mm -hmm. benefit from the fruits of their labor yeah raise their children in whatever faith or fashion they choose yeah maybe even educate their own kids right and they just want to be left alone well i've talked to a lot of the voters who didn't show up this last election and they said they're waiting until we get rid of ranked choice voting and go back to paper ballots, and, and then they'll come back to vote. And mm. they're very conservative. and uh, That's, that's kind of hard to do. Without them voting. When socialists by nature are social. Yeah. It's in the name. Right. They live for organizing. Right. So I tell Where them. conservatives typically have some kind of personal belief in a higher power than themselves. Mm-hmm. The typical socialist believes that the government is God. That's right. And uh, when you worship at the altar of government, what mm-hmm. you do is you get on planning boards and commissions yeah. and, and you run campaigns and you knock on doors and you organize. You mm-hmm. become a community organizer. You're a socialist mm-hmm. where uh, regardless of what your conservative neighbor says, right. unless he says, so shall I, yeah. he's wrong. Well, so the, whoever gets elected to this position that I've thrown my hat in the ring for, they're still just going to have two proponents on the assembly. You need at least four so it's veto-proof. Mm-hmm. If six to three, they can veto. Seven to two, of course, they can veto. Four people voting for the mayor, they cannot overturn this veto. So, you know, if the people want to go back to a more conservative, constitutional, local government, they got to get some of these liberal 
assembly members out in this next cycle in the fall. If we could get two of them out or three of them out, it would be a big win. So really so, the power of the mayor is, is not necessarily in legislation. It's mostly I mean, executive. It's mostly executive. Yeah. And so, so it's policy, mm-hmm. right? In the so, minutia of the uh, running of the borough and looking at these contracts, things like that. But So are there any specific policy decisions or areas that you've identified are going to be priority one when you go in, if you're elected, mm-hmm. in this special election? And reminder to everybody out there, this is a special election yeah. to replace... Mayor Pierce, who stepped mm-hmm. down, he resigned his position under a cloud of scandal yeah. and the cover of running for governor. Not a serious campaign for governor, but running for governor nonetheless. Yeah. So this it's an eighth eight month term is all it is. Right, right. So so, so should you be elected now, uh, in the next eight months, mm-hmm. what policy areas are you going to be focusing on? Well, I have some. Uh Goals, increasing our food security, revive the ag program, recruit, mentor more farmers, encourage the establishment of a local meat packing plant through the, uh, the it's called the KPEDD in North K9, not funded by government, just encouraging the business to develop so our farmers don't have to haul all their cattle and pigs up to the valley. So let me ask you this. This is a question that may rankle some conservatives uh-huh. if you answer it the wrong way. Yeah. However you answer it is, you know, I expect is your honest opinion. Yeah. But uh, this issue of a meat packing plant mm-hmm. has been a sticky wicket. Yeah. Because the USDA requires that meat that is uh, prepared for resale, mm-hmm. that's the cellophane packaged meat you see on your shelf. Right, in Safeway. In Safeway. Yep. Must bear a USDA inspection and stamp. Mm-hmm. And under USDA regulations, that means you have to have a full-time mm-hmm. veterinarian on staff at your plant. And every animal that goes across that butcher line has to be inspected. Mm-hmm. There's a paper trail of whatever uh, uh, antibiotics or, or um, uh, medicines it's been on. Mm-hmm. And there's a withdrawal period that they can't have been on those medications for right. 30 days or whatever. And so they have to verify that. They do tissue and blood sampling to make Mm -hmm. sure that that animal doesn't have a bunch of drugs on board Mm -hmm. and that they don't have disease. And then they put that stamp on them. If you've ever seen hanging beef or or hanging pigs, you'll see a stamp, a a tattoo right there on the haunch of that animal that says inspected, certified, you know, safe. So you can't use a local uh, large animal veterinarian to do that? You can. But the the issue comes down to cost. Okay. And it comes down to having somebody who is on staff full-time to do that. Mm -hmm. And then do you have enough meat to keep the plant producing? Yeah. Because what you pay for a 4-H steer is not what you're going to pay for a steer that goes to the supermarket. Right. I saw a steer sell for $12,000 when the oil companies got in a bidding match against each other. That was... Ellie Butler sold, I think, her steer for twelve grand. Wow! But uh, you're not going to see, you know, anybody on the street yeah. go buy a steer for twelve grand. No, you know, work out the price per pound on that. Mm. That thing's still alive. <laughs> so, so um, the question to you, with that front-loaded information, yeah. is: Are you prepared 
to propose a subsidy. A local subsidy? With the borough to subsidize. So it would be a private-public partnership because Mm -hmm. many people have tried private packing plants in the state, but they've failed. And 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 as far as I'm... As far as I'm aware, there's only really one up in, I think it's... Uh, um, it's in the valley somewhere. Well, no, I think that one closed. Okay. Um, that one was subsidized by the state for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, where are they no, sending their meat Delta, now? Delta Junction. Okay. So when you see the Delta Sausage, mm-hmm. that is uh, a guy who's got a big operation with mm-hmm. pigs. And so he's I, got I've his bought- own packing plant. And, and the 4-H kids, this was, when I was a 4-H, you know, agent, yeah. this was a big problem. Because we would sell the livestock down here at the Nanilchik Fair. Yeah. But then right after the fair was over, we had to put all that livestock on trailers, truck it all the way up to the valley. Mm-hmm. Where it could be accepted or rejected. It put a lot of stress on the animals. And we had animals die. And oh, wow. if they show up at the packing plant dead, you, you don't get to... Huh. Everybody loses, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And all they do at the packing plant is slaughter them. So then you have to take that slaughtered carcass to a processing plant, a separate facility, mm-hmm. and have it processed and packaged. And so... Uh, that sounds like a lot of federal overreach to me. It, it is a lot of federal overreach. And, and until we get a governor and legislature that are willing to mm-hmm. push back and nullify that federal regulation, which probably won't happen in our lifetimes uh we mm-hmm. have to we have to get around how how in a state our size do we make this a viable prospect yeah you know if we want food security we it's we, easy to say we want food security it's easy to say all we need is the land mm-hmm. to be to be you know withdrawn from or or, or offered mm-hmm. rather to the public but it's a whole nother thing to say now now you're going to clear that land now mm-hmm. you're going to produce on that land and how do you get your product to the public in an economical way which you you're acutely aware of the mm-hmm. higher cost of production in Alaska. Yeah. So so how do I, I like uh, the idea of a meatpacking <coughs> plant here on the peninsula? Trust me, I love it. Yeah. But so you, you think comes, it would require some uh, partnership? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And and so so with that being said, mm-hmm. As you talk about securing, you know, our food source or, mm-hmm. or encouraging the development of more agriculture on the peninsula, is that something that you are, you're willing to actually say, this might be something worth some taxes or part of our purse? Well, if you pencil it out and it's going to give us food security and get you away from federal overreach, it would be uh, well-spent tax dollars. So how do I, when I buy like a buffalo from Delta Meats, and I've done that, and it comes in a package... You know, my 350 pounds of cut, wrapped, and labeled. There's no USDA stickers on it, stamps on it. So It's USDA process if it comes from Delta Packing. But it doesn't have any uh, stamps on it like That's that. That's on the carcass. Oh, okay. So it gets it's on the carcass. The mm-hmm. carcass goes to the processing plant. Oh. They cut it up, package it, and send it. I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah. Now, a lot of people will put a sticker on there to say, hey, this is USDA Prime because now they can say it we're going to charge because mm-hmm. it's prime you know well it's got to be more expensive <clears throat> so what about the uh the system where people can buy shares in an animal does that or that because then they are their part owner 
they can still be processed at a local plant and not have to go through all. So I talked to the state veterinarian all the once, rigmarole, once right? about that, and and uh, especially with dairy, with yeah. with, uh, with milk, with milk. Yep. And because a lot of people don't want their milk radiated, right? And um, you're facing prosecution if you do that. If you do that, because hmm. I've heard of people doing it with like a, go- a milk goat, right? Right. It's kind of like us being a private club. Right. Okay. We are. Yep. We're a private club. Right. And But the government's going to do what the government's going to do. And they're going to do a cost and benefit analysis. And mm-hmm. they're going to say, is it worth going after this person or not? Yeah. And if it becomes politically advantageous to go after them, mm-hmm. they'll go after them. And, and even though they may not have a good case, they will bury that person mm-hmm. in litigation and bankrupt them. Well, what, what do you think is illegal about having a private club that we pay our dues? Well, the, uh, the, seem, the state... Uh, you've this, broken your rules. Well, the state still requires me. I just paid, I just paid my food safety permitting okay. with the DEC. Even though you're a private club. Even though I'm a private club. Okay. You know... Because they sent me a threatening letter that said if I didn't renew my uh, my DEC certification, they would shut me down. Oh, huh. So could I go to court and argue that I don't fall under the regulation? Yeah, I, I could do that. Yeah, but you'd probably would it, pay more in attorney fees. Would it be fiscally wise for me to do mm-hmm. so? No, because they're the they have the bully pulpit, right? Yeah. They have the leverage, the 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 financial res- and see this is the issue with David Hegg's work on the uh, the, Grand the jury. corrupt judiciary. Yeah. Oh yeah, they just make up rules when the, that suits them. The oh, Supreme yeah. Court just did that, so right. so that's another issue. But it's part of the same problem: mm-hmm. is our government has become uh, domestically a domestically violent partner with us. Yeah. We are the victim. We are an abusive relationship. With that them. is. Yeah. That is, and and so. So one of the things as borough mayor, you'll Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to explore is this idea of operating as the lesser magistrate. Right. Yeah. What is that? Have you heard of that? I have not. But I'll tell you that I've been working with David and that to me, reestablishing the grand jury as it was supposedly supposed to be Mm -hmm. is kind of like the key. You could get the Kelly report. You could push back on all this uh shenanigans that's been going on not just his issues but everything clean up the elections well you've heard of jury jury nullification right right, where the jury looks at a a case and says uh in this case in this instance was this specific law valid or not and i like to use the example of the starving family whose dad goes and shoots one of the king's deer Mm -hmm. right or a moose out here. A moose, yeah. And and they feed their family, but it's out of season. And fishing game comes along and says, "We're throwing you in jail, or fining you into oblivion." Yeah. And uh, that goes before a jury, and the jury looks at all the facts of the case and says, "In this case, in this instance, we find that the law is not just, right. because for whatever reason, Mr. Smith." didn't have the means to acquire or procure any other food source for his family who was going to die. Maybe they were in a plane crash. Right, yeah. And they were waiting to be yeah. rescued. Yeah. And so they killed an animal. That, yeah. You know. To survive. To survive. Right. Um, well, a, a politically motivated uh, prosecutor mm-hmm. could go after Mr. Smith or Jones right. or whatever. And in jury nullification, they say it's 
this is wrongly applied law right. and, and it doesn't fit the circumstance. Yep. Oh, I have and heard that. Yeah. Well, well, then the doctrine of the lesser magistrate is this old English idea that when the prince, mm-hmm. let's say Prince John, we all know the story of Robin Hood, right? Right. When the prince is morally and socially bankrupt and is a tyrant mm-hmm. and uses misuses his God-ordained authority, which is all the royalty claim to be, you know, ordained by God, mm-hmm. um, to subjugate the people to wrongful acts perpetrated by the sheriff or the tax collector, the government, whatever, that it was not only the duty but the responsibility of the lesser magistrate, the mm-hmm. lesser authority, yeah. you yeah. as borough mayor, to tell the governor to pound sand. Right. Yeah. So this is something that I challenged Charlie on when he was mayor is mm-hmm. when all this lockdown garbage was happening at the Capitol. Yeah. Do you remember that day when Charlie stood on the uh, Capitol steps and gave a news conference and berated the governor and berated Anzink and berated the, the, the legislature mm-hmm. for shutting the yeah. building? You remember that day? Yeah. I don't. I don't remember that day. Do you, Dirk? He got fussy at him, didn't he? No. He never no, he did. went to social media and he said... I'm Charlie Pierce, and we're open for business. So you think he should have gone to Juno and been more aggressive? Darn straight. Yeah. That he should have said, not only heck no, but <clears throat> hell no. Mm-hmm. You are not going to do this, and on the peninsula, here's what we're going to do. Well, he could, have when just you told not, them, uh, he could have just told them these are unconstitutional, and I don't recognize them. Right. That's right. all they needed to tell right. him. And, and if he did that, then maybe that would have given some other mayors the will mm-hmm. to stand up against yeah. the tyranny. Yeah. But the reality is, as long as uh, the mayor remains quiet or, mm-hmm. or only says aspirational things but doesn't back it up with some real skin, mm-hmm. yeah, then it's just pandering. Well, I would think if just a two or three sentence statement that it's unconstitutional and, and we're going to operate a free society we're not going to go to mask we're not going to lock down we're going to keep going well here's something so charlie, what i would have told him here's something that charlie uh, claimed when he was running for governor was that uh during his time in office that uh, they made the the borough a second amendment sanctuary yeah what does that mean well i assume you, you tell me what does that mean? I th- I, to me, it was like a play on the, what Homer did to be a sanctuary city for illegals. Um, right, right. But the but see, the Homer City Council actually had some authority. Yeah. Right, because they're a legislative body. But as the mayor, they can't have Prince of Borough mayor. What what authority did he have that he exercised that showed that he had taken a position that we were a sanctuary? Did they uh, did the assembly pass an ordinance that no. said that? No. No. Okay. Not to my knowledge. So it was just a verbal dis- description of his saber, new rules. Saber rattling. Yeah. So so here in my mind is how if I were the mayor. Yeah. Which I'd never am going to be. <laughs> because uh, you know I'm, I I say things like I see them and and there are a lot of people that are, become uncomfortable. With yeah. That. If I were to come forward and say, I've instructed legal counsel for mm-hmm. the borough to file an amicus brief, a friend of the court brief, in any case where the ATF, the FBI, the troopers, or any other law enforcement entity outside of our purview mm-hmm. 
comes against a resident of the peninsula and their freedom and right to bear arms, civilly bear arms, mm-hmm. responsibly. You know, we're not talking about wingnuts, you know, shooting rifle rounds into yeah. the sky at midnight right. while they're, you know, doused with tequila or something. Yeah. You know, um, but somebody who is, is uh, maybe they went to a political rally around the beginning of the year in Washington, D.C., and they decided to come home, and in April, the FBI kicked their door down and mm-hmm. confiscated things. Yeah. Let's say in that case, and I don't know that Mr. Huper had any of his rifles taken. I don't think he did. But, yeah. but let's say they did do that. Mm-hmm. If the mayor had said, We're, I'm going to use the public tre- treasury and trust here that I've been entrusted with to instruct our legal department to become a friend uh, file a friend to the court, amicus basically brief. an yeah. amicus brief mm-hmm. on behalf of our resident who's broken mm-hmm. no laws. Yeah. Now, now we can say, hey, this is so a Second Amendment sanctuary. Yeah. That is something he can make. Or mm-hmm. conversely, he could have compelled the members of the assembly mm-hmm. to consider a resolution. Right. And he could have brought a. Uh, a sponsored ordinance through the mayor's office That's right. and worded it and given it to him. Right. Yeah. And, and and now now you can say, I work mm-hmm. to make this a Second Amendment sanctuary. Okay. But none of that's part of the public record, yeah. at least not that I've heard or seen. And I've asked a number of people. So the, de- the declaration of us of being a sanctuary you Second Amendment You can say a thing city, and... It was never actually just because you say an ordinance it doesn't okay. mean that it uh, is. Okay. Just like when he said, we're open for business, Mm -hmm. right? Well, were we open for business? He oversees that contract at the hospital. Did they provide the services that they were supposed to provide to us? Did they give us preventative care? Did they honor our our patient's bill of rights? Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. Do we even have a patient's bill of rights? Is that in the current contract? When you go look at that contract, look and see if there's a patient's bill of rights. No, I have not. Okay. But um, but you're going to be the, the, the mayor, so, you know. You think I'm going to win? Well, if you don't win this time around, what I would expect you to do, uh-huh. and this is a challenge, yeah, is I would expect you to go to every council meeting between now and next October mm-hmm. when the regular election happens so that you can run again yeah. and people will know who the heck you are yeah, because you have been on the record for eight months mm-hmm. hammering these issues. Yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, see what God does. So I've also gonna I've been studying the non-participating workforce. That's a group of people who are able-bodied. Uh-huh. Jason, between the ages of twenty-five and fifty-five, and they are they're not counted anymore. They're not unemployed. They don't get any benefits. They're living in basements. They're living with people. And there's a huge percentage of them. Dirk's a nice guy. Don't talk about Dirk. Yeah. What enough about me? <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard that term, non-participating yes. workforce? Yeah. 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 It's it's when you no longer care. You no longer and no, care. Nobody cares about you. Right. Anymore. Yeah. Again, so, enough about me. <laughs> so we, we those are the that's a big subset of people that you know they're just sitting there with no hope. Mm-hmm. If we could get them back in the workforce, it would, it would help our whole society. How do we do that? Well, that's my question. My uh, ideas were help revitalize, restructure the current reliable transportation system, CARTS. CARTS is existing. The borough wouldn't have to spend any money, but the, uh, they, they need more training and economic development and business model because apparently they're not very efficient. 
So people who are trying to get to work, they don't pick them up in time, they don't bring them home in time. When, when my daughter was growing up, I used carts to go get her at Cook Inlet Academy. Back then they were very efficient. They'd get her right on, I mean, she'd come out of the door and they'd be waiting there for her. And if a carts bus couldn't get her, they'd have a, a cab pick her up, and take mm -hmm. her to her dance, wherever she was going. How about Uber and Lyft? What's your what's your uh, position on Uber and Lyft? Well, I would assume they could be tied into that same system because the cabbies were tied in. Well, back my then. question is, when was the last time you saw an Uber or Lyft on the peninsula? Well, I don't think there's any down here. There's, they got them in Doesn't Anchorage. Doesn't the owner of the uh, cab company here sit on the council? On the city council? On the, on the borough assembly? I have no idea. He does. He does. He does. Who owns the cab company? Uh, Brent Hibbert. Oh, does he? <laughs> So, so, so my, you know, so, you know all these little. So, uh, so Brent Hebert sits on there, and 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 you know what the cabs do? They actually provide carts rides. Did you know that? Well, that's what I was just saying. Did they you know that carts is highly subsidized? Carts get subsidies, I think, from the feds and the state, as far as I know. So we have a sitting borough assembly mayor or member member who is receiving cash to his private business from a highly subsidized public. Fund and you think he's keeping Uber and uh, huh? That's type? an interesting question. Well, it sounds like I'm glad you asked that yeah. question. Would you like me to hail Uber? I have it out. <laughs> see if you can get an Uber yeah, yeah, in see, here. No, no. Then you need to you need to pay the poor guy yeah. that, that takes well, this, it out. See, of this this, time. That's why when I get in there, but I'm going to have see, to really this, research this, this some of these. This comes down to I, you know this is called the conservative hour of power because yeah. I believe that private industry and innovation mm -hmm. should drive should be driven by the market. Well, maybe that's why they're not very efficient because they're. Too well, you subsidized. don't have to yeah. be efficient when there's no competition. Yeah, that's a famous issue with cab companies because municipalities will hand out several licensing. They have a cab licensing authority, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's a monopoly. It's a closed system. Nobody yeah. nobody's allowed to enter that system. So the people who own the cab companies mm -hmm. become fabulously rich. So the, is Uber and the other companies tried to begin operating down here, and they've been shut down. That's a good question. I don't know. I'll I'm look a, into I'm it. A Uber driver in Anchorage. I don't know. Yeah. So you do it so, up there in Anchorage. So so okay. I know I know that that Love we it. have DoorDash. Right. Right. Which delivers food. Right. So it, there's I've already evidence. There's already evidence of a market. But here's what you get when you get so an isn't Uber. So Door, doesn't DoorDash use Uber and Lyft drivers? Uber has its own type of uh, food delivery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. so so here's the deal. When you're an Uber driver, mm -hmm. you have to have the Uber sign in your car. Right. Or a light Lyft ha driver. And some have, of them have both of them. Have you seen those here? I don't think they're down people, here. People come up to my shop all day long and park here. I never see Uber or Lyft drivers. Yeah. It's a good question to ask. Yeah. And then it, and then and then that's follow, interesting and then that follow the money. owns the cab company. I didn't well, know. Well, that. and that's not that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean it's it's just fine yeah. that, a, that any business owner should be able to be on the assembly. Yeah. But that should not have, and I'm not saying that this exists with Mr. Hibbert. Mm -hmm. I just find it curious. Right. A curious footnote yep. that we don't have this here locally, and you're talking about revamping a broken system, mm -hmm. which maybe it, wouldn't be quite so broken if there was more competition in right. the marketplace. Yeah. And here we have ride-sharing programs. I drive back and forth all the time. If mm -hmm. I can pick up a, a 
a, a li- I could, if I could give somebody a lift from here to Three Bears when I go to Kenai. Mm-hmm. Put them to work. Yeah. I'm paying for my drive to Kenai. Yeah, absolutely. And now that higher gas at the pump isn't such a problem for me because mm-hmm. I picked up a fare on my way over there. Exactly. But yeah. if I do that, that's going to cut into Mr. Hibbert's profits, mm-hmm. the viability of his business. Is that okay? I don't know. You decide. Yeah. You be the, the person who makes that decision. Again, yeah. free enterprise, land ownership, mm-hmm. the ability to be the king of your own castle yep. is what made America great. And I say made. Right. Because we're not there anymore. Right. Yeah, we're struggling. So Definitely um, in a spiritual we, battle. We are, at a, we are at an hour and 30 minutes. I didn't know if you have to run or not, but um, oh boy. it's been a good conversation. I'm almost done with my list here. So stand firm for strong local self-government. Stand against federal and state overreach. That's my mm-hmm. uh, one of my last statements. I'm not a career politician. So, you know. You my good friend Ed would be really upset at me if I didn't ask you this next question. Ed. What's his last name? Martin. Oh, Ed Martin. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you know Ed. Yeah, Ed and I know each other. Absolutely. He's down in Hawaii right now. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. I talked to him earlier today, and he made me feel bad because he was in his shorts without a T-shirt. Yeah. That's that's not an image I would encourage anybody to try to capture. He called me in uh, when I was on uh, on Dwayne Bannock on Tuesday morning. So he beats the drum constantly. Yeah. About, about, uh, About bonding. Bonding and land ownership. AS 39.010 through 100, talking Mm -hmm. about the bonding of public uh, uh, appointees and elected representatives. Mm -hmm. Will you secure a bond? When I get elected? When you're elected. To to protect myself legally? No, it's to protect me from you. Oh, to protect you from my my actions? Right, right. Because, Because I don't know, and you know, there might be a situation where, let's say, a borough mayor has some kind of inappropriate contact with a staff member. Mm-hmm. And then that staff member files a complaint, mm-hmm. and the whole thing is hushed up through legal and non-disclosure statements are made. Yeah. And then you have to leave your office prematurely. Mm-hmm. That might happen. Or, or perhaps somebody at the borough... Um, Gets a terminal illness or a very serious illness and yeah. then is told, um, you don't work here anymore. And so they file a lawsuit that got, gets all sort mm-hmm. of hushed up and then and then $125,000 is paid out in the settlement. Oh, okay. by the way, yeah. I'm paying more for my house every year and that goes to the borough. So that $125,000 is spread around. Yeah. So, so, and I'm talking about Mayor Pierce. I understand. Yeah. Mayor Pierce did that. Yeah. It cost me money. Mm-hmm. And and he told me, well, you should feel good because your house is more valuable now. Okay. He hasn't seen my house. He keeps yeah. raising my, my value of my house, and my kids keep putting holes in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so uh, that's what a public bond does, mm-hmm. is you start doing garbage like that. Mm-hmm. People like Dirk and me, we're coming for you. We're you know, coming for that bond. Do a lot of uh, politicians do that when they're elected? Nobody does it. If you talk to Ed, Ed will tell you nobody does it, oh. even though it's an Alaska statute. Okay. And oftentimes, the people like the borough will say, well, we're self-insured. Okay. We're self-insured. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means I pay for it. Yeah. 
through my higher, uh, yeah. you know, uh, property value okay. taxes. So did you tell that I was going to come in here with I did. Him? Oh, good. I did. Yeah. I did. And, of course, he asked me to ask you about 15 other questions. Yeah. And he's going to, uh, that's an over-exaggeration, Ed. He's going to listen to this. And yeah. I told him he, I would he be sent me a whole. Uh, he sent me a a link a to dossier. something today. <laughs> I can't remember. I haven't, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. So I think one of the links he said, he sent to me, and I mm-hmm. looked at it quickly, was your opponent, Peter Michicki, mm-hmm. uh, had a, an ethics complaint filed against him for, uh, it was either kicking, uh, banning somebody from commenting on his public Facebook page, which is against the law. Yeah. You're not, you're not allowed to do that if you're a politician. Hmm. And somebody's trolling you on your page. You just have to sort of grin. This and is an it. old story or something new. Well, uh, he sent me the ethics complaint, mm-hmm. and that was dated. Well, this is a letter talking about the ethics complaint being dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, time limitation. Alleged violations, dismissal, and reminder. Basically, Ed's argument was that there's a two-tiered justice system and that some people get hit with ethics complaints. <coughs> David Eastman. And some people <coughs> Sorry, don't. I've got a catch in my throat. Yeah. <coughs> David Eastman. Yeah. And um, they throw everything they've got at them. Mm-hmm. Then other people... Are golden boys yeah. and girls, and they they can do no wrong. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they'll tell you they do no wrong. Hmm. So um, bonding is set there so that when they do do wrong, yeah, that We're we can. We curious can, today, I was just going to tell you that down at uh, in Homer at the high school, they had a a forum for the uh, the candidates for the Kenai Peninsula Borough, and they did not invite me. Yeah, yeah, you said yeah. that at the beginning, and that's uh, that is curious. And uh, I learned about it because um, there was a student there who stood up and said, "Why isn't Why isn't Robert here? Did you invite him? Did all the air get sucked out of the room?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he he texted his apparently his mom is uh, is going to vote for me. Maybe she already has. Mm-hmm. So then it went through a text to another person. I was sitting there eating my lunch, and then, and there's a sh- a shot of. Uh, Two people in the middle interviewing. There's two candidates on each side, six of them on the stage. And it was current right now. So I called APOC. I haven't heard back from them. So if I make your question, if I make your life uncomfortable and I ask you questions that you don't like, are you going to threaten me? <laughs> no, I won't threaten you, Jason. Okay. Well, Peter Michicki threatened me. Yeah. I heard he's a bully. He is a bully. Yeah. And, 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 and this, uh, this, this ethics complaint is about him bullying somebody through Facebook. Now, I have two women uh-huh. that I know. One I've got a decent relationship with professionally, and mm-hmm. the other one doesn't like me. Yeah. But they both have evidence of mm-hmm. Peter Michicki doing the same thing to them, and I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. And um, well, how so, was your interaction with him when you worked? You worked for him for a short I, time. I didn't work for Peter ever. I worked for Ron Gill. For Ron, but you were yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, um, so Linda Hutchings. Yeah. Another person running against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was on the Republican uh, local party. Uh, executive committee. I think she was a treasurer or something. Yeah, D7. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. what it was. But uh, 
there was a meeting held here at Amokan. They don't hold meetings here anymore because oh. I ask questions <laughs> they don't like. Yeah. And uh, I call things out that they don't want to hear. Okay. But um, her husband got up. This was while Gary Knopp was still representing us. Yeah. And I was running actively running a recall effort against Mr. Knopp. And they were discussing sending a letter asking Gary to come to Jesus Stop his shenanigans and represent the people who elected him. Yeah. And uh, Linda sat here and her husband got up and strutted back and forth on this stage. He grabbed the microphone uh-huh. and basically pointed his finger at everybody in the crowd and mm-hmm. told us how we were basically stupid and that we all needed to get behind Gary. And then okay. he threw Lisa Murkowski's name in there and said, we needed to get behind Lisa Murkowski too. So, huh. so because it's my show... Yeah, You know, I'm going to strongly encourage people to take a serious look at you, because if you want a politician to climb the ranks and being a borough mayor is one of those rungs, Mm -hmm. climbing that ladder, if you have aspirations, Mm -hmm. uh, do we want another Lisa Murkowski or do we want somebody who feels that it's okay to threaten constituents? No, they should never be threatened. You know, if you're if people are are nervous, uh, if they're not living in the truth, and they can I can see them losing their temper and threatening people. But mm-hmm. I don't do that. You know, I just uh, that's why I laughed when you asked me if, <laughs> if you yeah. threaten me if I get well, mad. Well, at rest you, so. assured, if you ever threaten me, I'll talk about it on the podcast. If I'm if I'm mad at you, I'll say, "Listen here, little buster." I don't. I try not to swear and. Uh, so I and I'm all I don't have aspirations. You I'm doing take me this. To the verbal woodshed. I'm I'm doing this as a public service. You little know? Buster. I'm yeah. Saying, hey, little Buster goes on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's, you'll hear the roughnecks. You know, on you know, you should throw that into your campaign. You know, get a t-shirt just says, "Hey, little Buster." Hey, little Buster. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I've you know when I lose my temper on the rig, and that's what the roughnecks have noticed. You know, I say, "Listen here, little Buster," and then, so I've heard them two of them talking. One day they said, "You know, you're going to be in trouble." if Robert calls you Little Buster. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Robert. Well, I appreciate your uh, indulgence and time here. I know you've got a busy campaign. Hour and 40 minutes? Yeah, we're at an hour and 41. Holy cow. No commercial breaks. That's amazing. So one stream of consciousness brought to you by the Amokan Coffee Social Club, located deep in the heart of uh, darkness. Uh, Soldat in Alaska. It will get lighter, folks. Okay. The summer is coming. We're getting five minutes a day right <laughs> that, now. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, so just real quick, I would be remiss if I didn't ask Dirk, uh, uh, business or pleasure? You're in town. Business. Business. Okay. okay. We'll leave leave your business to your business because right. we're not socialists. All right. <laughs> so, all well, right. That was so, exciting. I learned a lot. I need to. I need a copy of your notes, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you won't be able to read them, but I'll get them for you. Okay. <laughs> so you've been listening to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power. Uh, you know, we uh, are going to be making an announcement on Saturday. Uh, Robert will be here in uh, the shop uh, for a public meet and greet at 2 p.m. If you're in the neighborhood come down and see him if you're not then get off your couch and get down here and get in the neighborhood come and see robert and uh if you don't like the direction our government's not going and you're not engaging with local representatives and asking them hard questions 
then doggone it, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you here at Amalcan, or I'm sure you can catch up with Robert at one of the many other venues he will be visiting. Um, engage. Uh, you know, I feel like John Luke Picard here. You know, I've got the Starship Enterprise control board at my fingertips. And uh, let's hit that warp speed and go towards a better future. Get involved in your community. That's right. And uh, and what better way to say that than with epic cinematic epic music. That's awesome. All right, everybody. Have I like a, it. Have a great week. Thank you. That's cool. <laughs> it's not live. He records it and he'll send it out. And we're sending it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs>